righty. Well, welcome back for our final week of Double Portion. Yeah, we've been looking at the life of the Old Testament prophet Elisha. We talked about his calling by God. Yeah, then we looked at his cry for a double portion of Elijah's power. And last week on Father's Day, we saw the courage of Elisha and how we all need that in our lives. Now this morning, we are headed towards 2 Kings chapter 6. And 2 Kings chapter 6, as we conclude the series, we're going to see the calculus of Elisha. So head for 2 Kings 6 this morning. Remember, uh, next Sunday is I Love America Day, and we've got a picnic planned after the service. If you could bring a side and a dessert, and also your softball gloves, and we'll try to get a game in. Uh, whoever wants to play. We always let kids play if they want, and yeah, just whoever. So come on out. And then I mentioned on Sunday, uh, July 10th, we have our normal morning schedule. Uh, but in the evening, we have our annual business meeting at 5.30. And after that, we have an ice, ice cream social together. Yeah, so don't forget about that. And uh, let's read now in 2 Kings chapter 6, starting in verse number 8. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that's in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he's in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. They came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servants said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Now today's message, we're going to see that Elisha was blessed by God with a great combination of awareness, wisdom, and courage. And those are three things that you should ask God for each and every day. Uh, if you're a dad, you desperately need awareness, wisdom, and courage. If you're a mom, you need those things. If you're a senior saint or a young person, you need all three of those things every single day. And we're going to see how God uses essential gifts in Elisha's life as we talk about the calculus of Elisha. The notes are in your bulletin this morning if you'd like to follow along. And yeah, they're also on the YouVersion app if you're a more techie person, okay? So let's talk first about the power of godly understanding. The power of godly understanding. You know, God-given insight is a divine miracle. Uh, and in this case, God showed Elisha what was coming so that he would be able to protect the from a Syrian invasion. 
every plan that came from uh, King Ben-Hadad's lips was delivered to Elisha by God. And uh, you've got this mighty king, Ben-Hadad, who had all these great plans about where he's going to camp and how he's going to war. And the king of Israel was always a step ahead of him. And finally, he was certain that he had a spy in his inner circle. And so he called a war council together and said, hey, everybody sit down. I want you to show me who in this room is for the king of Israel. Who is giving up all our information? How do they know every move we're going to make? How are they beating our strategy every time? And one of them sheepishly finally spoke up and said, King, nobody here is a spy. It's that stinking prophet Elisha. He knows every word that comes out your mouth, even the things you don't tell anybody else. And so the incredibly smart king says, okay, go and fetch him. Somehow not remembering that Elisha knew every word that came out of his mouth. This kind of cracks me up. So Elisha had some serious insight into what was coming. You know, we desperately need that type of insight in our lives today. And by the way, God still shows his people what's coming so that we can protect our families from the enemies around us, the enemies that we see and the enemies that we don't see, the enemies that openly proclaim they hate our God, and the ones that de deceitfully say that they believe in the same God that we do. And it takes godly awareness to discern good and evil, especially during a time when they are being rapidly mixed together to the point where good is evil and evil is good. And you need godly awareness to know those things that are out there trying to harm your kids and destroy your marriage and ruin your testimony. And there are more than there have ever been. And parents, if you aren't paying attention to the media your kids are taking in, please wake up and pay attention. Uh, because corporations that have been making wholesome children's programming for decades are now run by woke progressives who are seeking to subtly or not so subtly shove an agenda of perversion upon you. They want to make abominations seem normal to your kids. They want kids who are growing up, who are five, six, seven, eight years old, to grow up thinking this is the norm. Actually, they don't want to just normalize it. They want you to celebrate it. And that's why all the major corporations and entities are trying to get us to buy in on what they call Pride Month for the entire month of June. And they're saying, society, you need to celebrate what we consider normal and important even if God calls it abomination. By the way, just to remind you, pride is the sin that got Lucifer booted out of heaven. And God says pride goes before destruction. And, and so their goals are no longer subtle. They're even using beloved characters like Buzz Lightyear to push the agenda. And, and so stay aware. Ask God to show you the danger signs. Check out what your kids are getting into on those really safe apps that don't require any oversight uh, because it's even on those apps. And when I was a kid in the summer, uh, my parents would let us watch in the morning sometime, leave it to Beaver, 
uh, or Roy Rogers or Gene Autry. And sometimes a mixture, we'd get to watch them all in one day, and that was like the bonus day, right? If you got to watch all three in one day, it was like jackpot. Uh, but even then, they were wary of what we were looking at. And I remember my mom would come in, and uh, the show was okay, but she didn't want us to watch some of the commercials, right? And on the Roy Rogers show, some of the commercials she didn't like, and I had no idea why, right? It was like clap on, clap on. No, that was after that time, but you guys don't even remember that. Uh, uh, what was the other one, uh, the, the little button you push when you can't get up? I've fallen and I can't get up, that's one. Uh, but even then, they're wary of what we're looking at. And I, I just have to tell you, those days have long since passed. The age of innocent entertainment is gone. It's gone. You have to check up on toddler programming now. Because there is a satanic agenda attached to all modern media. Now, here at Centennial, we've got this awesome thing that we've provided for the church family uh, where if you attend here, you can get a login to Right Now Media. And they have wholesome shows for all ages, along with great Bible study options and things for your small group. And there are thousands of choices. But, you know, we have to pay attention. I, I know that parents in their 30s and 40s might think, well, my mom and dad let me listen to music and watch television, and I'm doing just fine. And it, please understand, this is a new era Wickedness is ramping up like never before. And your kids, I promise you, they're not listening to Barry Manilow and Patsy Cline, okay? Uh, they're listening to artists that are pushing gender confusion and perversion, managed by companies who are controlled as messengers of the devil. And you need godly understanding like never before. Now, the good news is that God is still providing it. For all those who ask. And I love the promise from James 1.5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which gives to all men liberally. And it shall be given to him, it says at the end of the verse. Elisha knew what the enemy was planning. And so this was a big deal. He knew ahead of time exactly what they were going to do. Now, next, I want to see the peril of godly understanding. The peril of godly understanding. Uh, those without godly understanding, sometimes they're filled with fear because they don't know which direction to turn or how to make choices. But you know, the only danger for those who receive understanding is that the enemies of God will be headed your way with their armies. Look at verse 14 again. Uh, Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when you lean on godly understanding, remember that Satan, as a roaring lion, is walking about seeking whom he may devour. Godly understanding helps you see what's coming. But you know, we find out in Ephesians 6 in the passage on the armor of God that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we're called to put on the whole armor of God 
that we might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And when you are a recipient of God's wisdom, it puts you in the enemy's crosshairs. Now, the devil never bothers casual Christians who just go with the flow of the culture. Uh, He's not worried about them at all. They're easily deceived into thinking they're in the game when really they're only spectators. But those who display evidence of a true walk with God and a steadfast stand in his truth, the enemy's going to go after them with everything he's got because they're the soldiers of Christ. And so be prepared. Get armored up. Get prayed up. Get ready for the battle. It's coming. We've seen just in the last couple of days the final decision on uh, the Dobbs case that overturned Roe v. Wade came out Friday, just before the Supreme Court's summer recess. And as was expected, when the court overturned the vile 1973 ruling, the demons of hell were unleashed like never before. See, killing babies has been the sacrament of humanistic worship since Old Testament times. And they'll do everything they can to protect the blood sacrifice of children. And we've seen over these days, and we're going to see more, riots and broadcasts and uproars and deception and outright lies. Actresses and singers who are singing and moaning about the great loss. But really, this decision, it's only the beginning of the fight to save children. Uh, The battle now goes to the state level. And we need to pray that society as a whole understands the stain that abortion has brought on our culture. It is by far the worst broad-based legal practice there has ever been in human history. And I encourage you as you process all of it, don't for a second buy into the sob stories that young women will no longer be able to make decisions with their bodies. That is pure propaganda. And I can assure you that God is cheering the decision. And I can also assure you that there are over 70 million babies whose lives have been taken who are cheering the decision. And all unborn children would like the chance to live. Uh, I always remember what Ronald Reagan said. He said, I've found that the people who are for abortion are already alive. And isn't that true? It's just kind of an easy way to process it. And, And so we need to pray for God's protection upon all those who are acting through godly understanding because they are in grave peril from the mob, though they'll be eternally blessed by God. God's judgment is what matters in the end. And if you think that America is not under judgment for the millions of children who've been slaughtered, then think again. We should be praying right now, God, in wrath, remember mercy. I'm reminded of Proverbs 21, 15. It is a joy to the just to do judgment, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. And we see in the second Kings passage, this third part, the promise of godly understanding. The promise of godly understanding. So uh, next morning, Elisha's servant got up early, probably to make the coffee, and he stretched He went to the door to see what the weather was like, and there was a host of soldiers with horses and chariots surrounding the city. And he rushed in and said to Elisha, alas, my master, 
how shall we do? <laughs> For people without godly understanding, the minions of hell are pretty scary. How will we ever go against them? How can we ever succeed against progressive media and culture? How do we react to a government that legislates evil and sometimes fails to protect its own citizens? How shall we do? But you know, for those with the faith of an Elisha, the presence of the enemy, the strength of the enemy is only an illusion. And I love uh, here in this next verse, verse 16, how Elisha says, fear not, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And I guarantee you, his servant looked at him like a teenager looks at their parent when mom and dad tells them something to do, right? He looked at them like, you are crazy. You are insane. Why would you ever say that to me? And, and the servant looked at him like, uh, prophet, not to argue with you, but did you even look outside? We are totally surrounded. Your math is bad, Elisha. You can't count. There's no way we're getting out of this. And when you look at the evil agendas and the wicked practices of this old world, it's easy to get a doomsday attitude. Like there's no way out. Like we have no hope. But you know, the promise of godly understanding comes with assurances. And the calculus of faith sees things with a higher view. I love that song, Our God is Greater. Our God is Stronger. God, you are higher than any other. And we have the promise from Romans 8, if God be for us, who can be against us? First John says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And it said, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And when you get alarmed, just remember this. I read the back of the book, we win. I love the promise from Revelation. I saw heaven open, and behold, a, a white horse, and he that sat on him was faithful and true. And in righteousness, he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him on white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and tread the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he had on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. You go to the next chapter, Revelation 20, it says, The devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. You think of what 
The promise is in Philippians 2, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh yeah, this world is dark. There is wickedness and perversion everywhere you look. And it must be similar to those eerie days before the flood in Genesis 6, or those unnatural days before the destruction of Sodom in Genesis 19. Evil feels like it has the upper hand. The enemy feels like he has God's people surrounded and he's ready to take them out. But Christian, fear not. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. Don't give up now. God's just getting started. And he has called us to be salt and light during these dark days. You know, billions of people are living today, and they are condemned already to a Christless hell. They're confused, they're overwhelmed, they're deceived, they're living without hope. But Jesus loves them so much that he stretched out his arms for them on a wooden cross. And he has commissioned us and empowered us to go to them with good news in the darkest night. And so how did Elisha's servant get hope? Well, it's pretty simple. God opened his eyes. God opened his eyes. He was blind to the reality of spiritual warfare, and then he could see. And let's talk about the product of godly understanding. And look with me now at 2 Kings 6 and verse number 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Wow. That'd be something to see, wouldn't it? When we are aware of God's direction, when God has provided the wisdom to take next steps, we are able to pass along the confidence that only comes through faith. And we can pass that on to those who are hesitant to seek God's plan. And with his new vision, the servant looked out at the hills once again. Same hills, same enemy, mountains still covered with uh, soldiers from the other team, but it's also covered with horses and chariots of fire. And they're all there to protect Elisha. You know, the idea of spiritual warfare has become some type of legendary fairy tale to most modern Christians. They've heard a little about it, but they've never seen it. They've never experienced it. And they have no idea how it could possibly apply to their lives. But you know, if you're in the battle for the Lord, you are on the front lines of spiritual warfare. And we need to ask God to open our eyes to the real conflict that's taking place. Because I assure you, the real battle has nothing to do with a basketball or a baseball or a football, okay? It is a life or death battle for the souls of men. And the rulers of darkness in this world are going to give it their best shot to clutch power and wealth. You know, I, I already mentioned this. We know God wins. We know that. But they still think they can beat him. And the enemy on the way down wants to destroy as many lives as he can, including the lives of your kids. 
And whether you're aware of it or not, whether you believe it or not, if you're a Christian, you are in a fight for the souls of your family and the souls of your coworkers and the souls of your community, the souls of every man and woman, boy and girl on this planet. They need to ask God to give you the awareness of a warrior, the attitude of a warrior, the armor of a warrior. Yes, God wins in the end, but the people you know can lose for all eternity if the battle for their souls isn't made a point of emphasis. And it's going to take great spiritual understanding and courage to fight for them. And listen, if you miss the whole rest of the message, listen now, okay? It's time to wake up and clue back in. If you are not training your children to be soldiers of Christ, you can rest assured that the culture is already training them to be enemies of God. Okay, you don't have to do anything about it uh, to understand that. The culture is after your kids. And you better draw a line in the sand and say, with God's help, this is not happening on my watch. There's no way I'm going to give permission for the world to steal the hearts of my kids. I'll be watchful. I'll remember every day that we're in a spiritual battle for souls that's bigger than anything on this earth. And it is a fight. It requires focus. It requires faith. And yes, God promises victory. Yes, the battle belongs to the Lord. But it's time for all God's people to get out of the bleachers and onto the field. I am sick of seeing kids who are aware of the truth leave the faith and get kidnapped by the culture. I'm sick of watching children with so much potential for God be swallowed up by the world. I hate sin and everything that it destroys. And Christian, those kids need us. They need you. We need each other. You need people in your life that are stronger Christians than you are. If you are the strongest Christian in your group of friends, eventually you're going to drop to the level of the people around you. It's like the guy who wants to work out and stay healthy, but he hangs with a group of friends who are all couch potatoes. Okay, work out for them is lifting a fork. What's going to happen to his desire? Well, eventually he's either going to move to the level of his friends or he's going to find a new group of friends. It's the same way with moral issues. It's the same way with life purpose. It's the same way with spiritual maturity. You will move to the level of influence that you hang with. The only way to rise above that is to be around people that challenge you, that provide accountability to you, that help in your Christian struggle. And, and folks, we need each other. We need to share our confidence in God. Mostly, we need God's protection. And Elisha saw the reality of the battle, and he asked God to open the eyes of his friend. And uh, he had new faith, and he had a new glimpse at life, and he looked out there, and I'm sure he said, whoa, where'd those guys come from? And you know what Elisha said? They've been there the whole time. They've been there the whole time. You can only see them through faith. And so let's put this all together in the faith challenge now. Every day, let's ask God to give us awareness for what's coming. 
Let's ask God to give us wisdom to know the response, and let's ask God to give us courage to act. I'm convinced that through the Holy Spirit, we are guided to what is right, to what's wise, to what's expedient in every situation. But it takes courage to act. Lots of people know how to do right, but knowing how to do right and doing right are different things. You can have God's wisdom for your family, but you still need to follow through. You can possess the godly understanding you need for the battle, but you still have to get on the field and fight. And the God who provides awareness and wisdom for Elisha in these, these days, uh, thousands of years ago, will provide the same for you. Well, two Sunday nights ago, I was at a national uh, prayer meeting in Brazzaville in the Republic of Congo. And uh, people were there praying for the Congolese people. And at one point in the service, uh, the pastor invited people all over the room to stand together and to lift up their voices to God all at the same time together to pray for God's grace on their land, to pray for God's protection on their land, to pray for God's direction for their land, to praise God for his mercy and provision. And I listen as people all over the place began to cry out to God. And it was all happening at the same time. And then after a few minutes, the pastor closed that portion of the service with a prayer. And I'd like for us to close our service in a similar way today. Uh, in just a minute, I'm going to invite you where you are to lift up your voice to God for America, for our leaders, for our judges, for our governors, for our families, for our churches, for the protection of pregnancy centers, uh, for God's grace upon those who have performed abortions, for those whose lives have been affected by the tragedy of abortion, for miraculous salvation, for those who are still advocating for the slaughter of children. And I want us to pray and lift our voices all over this room that God will give us the spiritual understanding in these difficult days along with the courage to follow his will. Because understanding will not be enough. You have to have the courage to act. And so let's stand together right now and let's lift our voices all over this room and begin to pray for our nation and for God's mercy upon it and protection uh, for all the things affected by this ruling these last, this last Friday.
Father, I pray that you'd bless now as we dismiss our service, and I pray that you would give us the grace for each day through this week. Help us to make decisions worthy of a Savior who gave everything. I pray that you would help more people than ever to get into the battle. So many Christians are sitting on the sidelines watching other people live their faith. I pray that you'd wake us up. The day is at hand. Things are serious out there. I pray that you'd give us courage to act and help us to follow you with our lives. Oh, God, we need you like never before. And we thank you for this promise from your word that they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Guide us from this place today. Now we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, before you leave today, make sure you uh, take a chance, or take a chance, take an opportunity. Uh, it may take a chance too, but if you get an opportunity, make sure you stop by and meet uh, Andrew and Lauren and get to know them a little bit. And God bless you, and we will see you for I Love America Day next Sunday.